are glad that their kids are back in school. You're glad your kids are back in school. But it's the season that everything's moving forward, not just for Next Level, but for us also. It's, um, we recognize that fall is just when it's like the second new year. There's a second star to every year. And we see football season officially started yesterday for college football. I'm personally an Ohio State fan. Are there any OSU fans out there? Give me an OH. All right, here's the deal. I fully recognize that I presently live in the state of Florida. I recognize what the last year has meant to my life. I know that we didn't lose just one national championship, but to add insult to injury, we lost two to this state. This is not an opportunity for cheering. Up until yesterday, I've worn black every single day in mourning. But it's a new season, and uh, anyway, folks, it's like there's a brand new beginning for football. There's a brand new beginning in our families. For some of us, we're moving forward financially. It's like we went on vacation this summer, and we've had to sit down with our spouse saying, we need to, like, tighten up a little bit with our finances and just begin to move forward in that direction. For others, it's like the, the fall season of um, TV's coming on. No more reruns. Lost is coming back to get me confused for a whole nother season. Um, one of these days I'm going to figure it out, but you know, it's, I mean, everything's moving forward for us, but as Christians, I believe that our life is moving forward too. And I want to offer a definition this morning, and it's going to, it's going to lay the groundwork from where we're headed for the entire morning this morning. And that I believe that moving forward is moving in God's direction, nothing else. And so for your life and my life, when we talk about moving forward personally, we, we need to understand that unless we're moving in God's direction, we're not just, we're not moving forward. We're just moving. It's, if it's not about God's plan for your life, it's not forward. If it's not producing health in your life, it's not forward. If it's not producing life, it's not forward. If it depends or if it demands compromise of your integrity at any level, it's not forward movement in your life because moving forward is moving in God's direction. A couple of years ago, my wife and I, we put our kids in peewee soccer. Have you ever signed your kids up for peewee soccer? Have you ever seen it? We, I mean, you've got a, 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 certainly a soccer field, goals at either end, and then you've got a bunch of six-year-olds and five-year-olds, and you give them a ball, and you try to teach them a concept. But the thing about peewee soccer is they understand movement, just not forward movement. Their whole goal is just kick the ball. We don't even care if it's towards a goal. We just want to kick the ball. And it's just like you're watching ants, you know, and they're on the floor. They're everywhere. And it's just, it's, it's about movement, but it's not forward movement. But this morning, we want to talk about forward movement. And there's really only two reasons why people um, have the need to create forward movement in their lives. The first reason is things are so bad that people can't stand to stay the same. It's amazing how dissatisfaction and discomfort be, can be an incredible motivator. I mean, you just don't like things the way they are. Maybe you look at your relationships or your marriage and you're like, things are not good. But instead of running away, it turns into a motivator saying, I, I, I just can't stand for them to stay the same. I'm going to make things better. Or maybe you're so miserable in your job. And you're just like, I, I can't take it anymore. And it motivates you to take the next step to move forward even in your personal life. And so I recognize that for even probably many of you that are in this room this morning, um, dissatisfaction and discomfort were what actually were the catalyst of making your marriage better. 
Because in the process of you saying, I just can't take it anymore, you were more concerned about dealing with the real issues of your marriage than you were uh, about finding acceptance or losing, losing acceptance or, or having rejection. It's like you, you were more concerned about, let's just deal with real life. And so I know that the first reason things are so bad that we don't want to say the same, it's, it's what drives a lot of people and what they do in moving forward. But there's a second reason of, of why people move forward in their life, and that is the opportunity ahead is so good that it can't be passed up. And it, it, recognizing that there is something that has crossed your path that could potentially change your life, and it, it, it's an invitation for you to move forward. Now, this, this very concept is exactly what I want to talk to you about. And there's a story in the Bible of some young men that had this, this kind of day that could change their life. It was a day where an opportunity was presented to them that would be so life-changing and cause such forward movement in their life that we would be talking about that very day 2,000 years later. And the story is actually found in the Gospel of Mark. And if you brought your Bible this morning, I would love for you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark is in the second book in the New Testament, which means it's the right-hand section of your Bible. We're headed to Mark chapter 1 this morning. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen to help you through this morning. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20, which is what we're going to hit this morning, we've got this story of Jesus is beginning his ministry. And Jesus, to put it in context, he was a rabbi, which meant that he was a Jewish teacher. He was one that was responsible for maintaining culture, for maintaining direction and purity within the Jewish people. And what every rabbi would do was they would go and they would find followers that they would call disciples. And so these rabbis would go out and they would look for these young men that potentially could be their protege. And that once they found them, they would call them to follow them and, and then teach them everything that they knew. And so now we've got this story of Jesus. He is walking along this beach and he sees some young men and he starts to call his first disciples or to invite them to be his disciples. And let's read together. Look at verse 16 in chapter 1. It says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 18 says, at once they left their nets and followed him. Now, all right, this is just like a three-sentence story we just got here. And we're about ready to actually transition into another story, which is just two more verses. And the difference is you've got Jesus on the beach, and all he's doing is he's starting to walk down the beach and have a second encounter with another couple of guys. But the thing about the second encounter is he's about to mirror what he just did with the first guys. Now, if, you're, if you've ever read your Bible and you're looking and, and you want to be with the kind of person that says, I want to understand my Bible more when I read it, I'm going to give you a little insight this morning. Anytime in Scripture that you see something repeated, it's not by accident, it's deliberate, it's on purpose, because it's put there for emphasis sake. And what we have here are two passages that they basically repeat themselves for the point of there is some truths being portrayed to us that we need to grab hold of this morning. And so even as we read these next couple verses together, I'm going to emphasize some things that you probably just heard in the first couple verses. We'll look at verse 19. It says, when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat. All right, so Jesus going down the beach. He sees James and John, and they're in a boat. Again, they're also fishermen, just like um, Simon and Andrew were up the beach. 
And then it says that they were preparing their nets. Verse 20, without delay. In other words, do you, do you feel something there? There is a without delay. Just in verse 18, there is an introductory statement that said, at once. There is an emotion. There, there's a feeling. There's movement. It says, without delay, he called them. What happened up in, in verse 17? It says, come and follow me. There was a calling that took place. It says, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Okay, so I recognize that we're reading this passage and like, it doesn't sound a whole lot like rocket science to me, but I believe that what's contained in these very simple verses is deliberate wording about creating forward movement in our lives. In fact, there are four distinct truths that we can glean from this passage. There is a calling, there is a moment of decision, there is a leaving of things behind, and there is a following to take place. And I want us to walk through those four things this morning. So let's start with the first one, the calling, which, of course, is up in verse 17 and um, verse 20. Jesus came. He saw these guys. He said, come and follow me. And so what was going on here is you got Jesus, the rabbi now, and he's talking to these guys. He's given them invitation. Come and follow me. Now, this poses a question for these guys that actually left their boats and started to follow Jesus. Why would someone walk away from family, from livelihood just to follow Jesus? Now, if you remember, we had talked about there's two reasons why people step into forward movement in their life. Either things are so bad or the opportunity is so good. I don't know about you, but for me, if I have a job on a boat or I'm fishing for a living, I'm thinking to myself, any opportunity that walks down this beach, I'm jumping on it. Now, don't get me wrong. I love boats. I love to eat fish. But I get seasick. I don't know if any of you get seasick. I'm not sure there's any worse feeling than being seasick. Because there's nothing you can do about it. They say, look at the horizon. They just want you to be quiet and quit complaining. That's why they... It doesn't work. And so for me, it's like this invitation to start something new is great. But the reality was... For these young men that were being called by the rabbi, there was no greater cultural opportunity than to be called by a rabbi. In fact, it was so great that no one would ever turn down the invitation to come and follow a rabbi, to be his disciple. There was, there was nothing greater within the, the Jewish culture than to be called as a follower of a rabbi. Because what that meant was one day you would be a rabbi. And again, I mean, this was, this was an invitation no one would ever turn down. And now, here's what I think that this means for us in our practical application today. Is that there is an invitation for each and every one of us to create forward movement in our lives. And I believe that invitation has been given to us from God. And so just as these guys in these boats got an invitation this particular day, so too in our lives, and I believe even this morning, there is an invitation for you. And the invitation, it includes something, even as Jesus said um, to his disciples, because he said, come and follow me. And there's a second part of the phrase. He said, I will make you fishers of men. In other words, I'm going to take who you are and I'm going to make you into something else. I'm I'm going to put you in a process of following me. But in this process, it's about growing into something new. It's about making you something greater than what you ever could be all on your own. I I think of it this way. Again, another football illustration because it's the season and I love football. 
It's the fact if I know many of you or many of us, we, we played football and we started at Pee Wee. It's, you know, the, the age that the pads weigh more than our child does. And then they grow up and, and they, we get them involved in middle school football and, and, and they go into high school football. They play varsity. And then there's a few of them that were good enough, usually at a certain position, that they um, start to be recruited. And because colleges come on the scene and recruiters are there, they're saying, kid, we think you've got talent. You've got a great arm to be a quarterback or you've got great speed to be a running back. And, and these universities begin to recruit these, these young men and, and to have them play at a whole other level of football. And then even on the college level, there's so many different st- the stages um, uh, of football and, and how big these guys get and how fast they get and how great these teams are. But it always amazes me that when it comes to these guys going to the next level, which is, of course, the, the NFL, that the NFL will send out scouts. And scouts will go look for players. But usually they're not just looking for a specific position. They're not looking for a guy who has always played safety his whole life because they need a safety. The thing about scouts, though, is they have the ability to recognize potential in an athlete. And so they're not looking for safeties. They're looking for athletes. Because they know that if they find the right athlete, they can teach him to become a safety. They can teach him to play a different position, even if from peewee on he's been playing quarterback his whole life. They know that if he's an athlete, they may not need a quarterback. But they can turn him into the best receiver the team has ever had. And so what this, this speaks to me is that there are, are scouts that recognize that there, are, there is potential for people. But it also shows me, and the analogy is for Jesus, is he didn't call the disciples because of what they could do. He called the disciples because of what they could be. And so for your life and my life, when God intersects us, he's not impressed with our abilities. He's just looking for someone that's got the raw materials that he can grow, that he can develop, that he can change and he can mold. And so if anything, folks, Jesus, he's scouting us out because he sees potential in us that maybe no one else sees. Now, the second part of what we're talking about this morning is there's a moment of decision. There's an at-once moment, or there's a without-delay moment, as the Scripture said. In any forward, in any forward movement, there's a moment of decision. Um, a crossing the line that says, I will do this. I, I love how Mark, the author of the Gospel, depicts emotion um, in this moment of decision because it shows that these guys, uh, when they're in their boats and, and they're just going about their day, Jesus comes along the shore and he says, come and follow me. It, it, the, the, the passage shows that they didn't say, if you give me 10 more minutes, my shift is over and I'll be able to come in. We can talk about it. We can negotiate salary. We can figure out how it's going to work. In fact, what the passage really shows is these guys dropped their nets. They were in the middle of doing something. They dropped what they were doing. They jumped into the water. They swam to the shore and immediately started to follow Jesus. In other words, there was a, an immediate moment of decision that took place. Now, let me ask you this, because I know that each and every one of us have had a moment of decision that was just an immediate kind of thing remember the last time you bought a car you saw the car you loved the car you signed on the car and then you said oh my gosh this car costs a lot but it, you had a moment of decision or it was a moment of decision of oh we, we we moved to a new place we had to find a house we found the house let's just let's just buy the house 
Or, or maybe some of you, it was the kind of thing of uh, you're dating someone for a very short period of time and they pop the question, they propose to you and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I accept. And so for so many of us, there is this immediate moment of decision that takes place in our life. And I, I believe that in any forward movement, there is a moment of decision that must take place. Now, for me, it was the kind of thing of, um, it was a number of years ago, I was up in Columbus, uh, pastoring the church there, and um, I'm guessing I was married about five years. Um, my wife's a great cook, she's a great, she loves to bake, again, I love to eat, <laughs> great combination. Um, I wanted her to utilize her talents and giftings as much as she could. I encouraged it. But I recognized that my love to eat and my love to exercise did not coexist. (laughs) And so what happened was um, I went from being this little skinny guy that she married to, um, I put on quite a few pounds. Um, I think I topped off at about 255-ish, which, I mean, I had the big gut and I had the multiple chin thing coming at me. And it's just, I would get out of breath going upstairs in my house. And I remember I'm praying one day with God and I said, God, I just, I want this church to move forward and, and I, I just want to do what you want me to do. And I felt that God spoke to my heart. And I, what he said was, Scott... You can't do what I want you to do in the shape that you're in. And it broke my heart. Because for the first time, I came face to face with the reality of my health is directly correlated with me following the will of God for my life. And I didn't want to miss anything that God had for me. Not a single thing. And in that moment, there was a decision. I said, no more. No more. I need forward movement in my life. I need to do whatever change needs to take place because I don't want to miss what God has for me. And I know that in your life, there's been moments of decision that may have been just as impactful on your life as mine. So there's a calling, there's a moment of decision, and then there's number three. It says they left their nets. In other words, they were leaving some things behind. For the disciples, they were leaving behind their job They were leaving behind their means of supporting themselves, leaving behind families, their family business. The only trade they really ever knew. Very simply, folks, uh, the disciples left their old life behind. They were leaving it all behind. I mean, it's not, you understand here, it's not like they were just going off to college and would come back someday. Because when you would enter into a life of, of a disciple and you were following after a rabbi, it usually meant that you would never come home. If you did, it was just because you were traveling through. They were leaving everything behind. And so even in this passage where it's talking about they left their nets, they were walking away from everything that was familiar. And so the thing, folks, is when God calls us to a place of forward movement in His direction, and we have crossed that at-once moment of decision, we must be willing to leave some of the old things behind. Because if God wants you to go to a place of growth and a place of greater potential and a a place of greater effectiveness in your own life, it means that we've got to stop doing some things. Like for these, these new disciples, they had to stop fishing for a living. 
They had to stop their occupation. They had to stop their livelihood in order to follow him. And for you and for me, when it comes to stepping in to change into something new for us, it means we've got to stop doing something old. We've got to step out of the an old routine. We've got to step out of an old habit. We've got to step out of an old way of conducting life because you can't have both. It's like for me, I couldn't be fat and thin at the same time. You just can't do it. It's like, say, it's like us saying it this way. Um, he's a real honest person, except for all the lying. I mean, you just, it, it doesn't happen. Or he's he's very healthy eater, except for all the fast food he has. Um, it's saying, she's the best wife, except when she's having an affair. You, they don't coexist, folks. And so for you and for me, when it comes into stepping into something new, what that translates into is there are times that we've got to leave some old things behind because they won't have a place with where we're going. And I recognize for some of us, the hardest part is leaving some of the old things behind because we want to take it with us. Change is too hard. We just, we, it's the way we've always done it. It's our normal routine. And it's like God is saying, I I want you to come. I want to take you to a place of forward movement in your life. I want you to truly move in my direction. I've called you to do so. You've even made the decision, but the hardest part now is letting some things go. And the reality is, even as we sit in this room today, if I were to ask you, what is it you're struggling with letting go, and you already know there it's a top of mind. I'm struggling with my patience. I'm struggling with my temper. I'm struggling with a, a physical habit. And it's like, all right, some things... In order order for us to move forward in our life, we've got to be willing to leave some things behind. But this takes us to our last point of this morning, and that is um, the passage talks about there's a following him. The disciples actually followed Jesus, which what that meant was it wasn't just a locational, all right, Jesus came on the beach, he called them, they dropped their nets, they jumped into the water, they swam to him. But the following Jesus meant that there was now a part of their life that they would, they would watch him, they would learn from him. In fact, their life was about to be changed by him because to the disciples, they wanted to become like their rabbi. They, the disciples, they wanted to know what their rabbi knew. They wanted to do what their rabbi would do. They wanted to live how their rabbi would live. They basically wanted to have the rabbi's DNA. Now, if you were a rabbi, the flip side to that whole thing is you wanted disciples that would do what you would do even in your absence. You wanted people that were following you that would get your motivation, your heart, your passion, even your understanding of the scriptures and understanding of life. You wanted, you wanted disciples that could do that. You wanted people that were with you so much that they picked up who you really are. Now, as I said before, um, I've, I've always been somewhat of a professional eater. I've had to change some of those habits. But something that hasn't changed is I love to cook. I don't know if any of you out there love to cook. I love to cook. For me, cooking is a stress reliever I, because it's a creative process. I love to create. I, I love to incorporate you know, all of my senses at once and, and just make new things. I'm not the kind of guy that likes to follow recipes. Doesn't always turn out, but I just I love to create and I, I love to cook. And because of that, I have um, started to, to teach my sons how to cook. And because I want them to know it's important. And we start with the basics like toast. 
how to butter toast, um, how to, you know, heat up something in the microwave, how to cook grilled cheese, how to do creme brulee. Uh, and not yet, anyway. But it's like we... I, I want to teach my sons how to cook because I think it's important. And my oldest son, Josh, he's developed an interest. And um, he wants to be with me in the kitchen. And he wants to help out. And he wants to learn. And, and so, you, you know, you teach him how to make scrambled eggs and how to hold a pan and not burn himself and, and, and how to do the things in the kitchen, but to do them responsibly and with care. And one of the things, of course, you do in the kitchen is you've got to use a knife. It's the, it's the, you know, the best tool in the entire kitchen. But it, it carries with it responsibility. It's got to have appropriate technique. You don't want to lose the end of a finger. You don't want to slice yourself open. It just, I mean, it makes for a bad meal if you do that. And so, you know, I, I've, I've tried to, to teach my son, this is how you hold the knife, and this is how you hold your other fingers so you don't, these two don't ever cross. And I'm teaching my son how to use a knife and he's got the kid-sized knife, and, and we get ready, and he does something. He takes his knife, and he, he taps twice on our butcher block, which doesn't mean anything to you. But to me, tapping it twice, it made me just take a moment, because I thought, wait a second. Before I ever cut anything, for some reason, I always tap my knife twice. On the butcher block. And I don't, I don't know why. There's no, again, there's no reason. It's kind of like golfers that have a waggle. I, we don't know what the waggle does. You just waggle. <laughs> and so for me, I've got a culinary waggle. And it's, I just tap my knife twice. And so I'm just looking at my son who taps it twice and then he starts to cut. And I started to realize something. First of all, I've never taught my son to tap his knife twice. But I recognize that simply by my son hanging out with his dad, he started to pick up who his dad was and to become just like his dad. Let's let it sink in because there's a bigger point we're headed towards. When we follow Jesus... It's not so much about him teaching us everything we need to know. It's about hanging out with him so closely that we start to pick up on the subtleties of who he really is. That we can actually be like him. Because he wants us to be like him. Because when we are like him, our life actually begins to move forward. It has purpose, it has direction. And simply by hanging out, we can get to be like him. The point here, folks, is that our God wants us to be moving forward. He doesn't want us to be static and doesn't want us to be still. He knows that there's only two directions we can ever go in life. There's no neutrality. It's, it's like learning to drive a stick shift up a hill. I mean, you either get it right and get this car moving forward or it's moving backwards. There's no just hanging out in the middle. And God wants you to move forward, which means we must move forward. If we're not moving forward, by default, our life is going backward. And I don't know anybody 
that wants to reach their end of their life and be like, man, I want my life to be so much worse now than it was at the beginning. Nobody wants to go backwards, but yet people do. And they do because they don't know how to move forward. They don't know how to move in God's direction. So to begin moving forward in our lives, we must do four things. First, we must respond to the calling of God on our life to come and to let him make us something new. And I know that he is speaking to us just like he spoke to those disciples on that beach that day. Number two, there's a moment of decision that every single one of us must must make. Even today, I know that many of you may cross a line, have that moment of decision. It's today I'm going to move forward. It's today I'm going to move in God's direction. It's today I'm going to face that thing that I've not wanted to face in my personal life yet. It's today I'm, I'm not going to go back to that habit. It's today I'm going to treat my wife differently. It's today I'm going to do it in a new way. The third is we've got to leave, just as the disciples left their nets, we've got to be willing to leave something behind we've got to be willing to leave the old behind and here's the great thing folks if god is the one that's calling you into a new place then what that means is he not only knows the struggle you face in leaving the old behind he's also there to help you to leave the old behind it's not a matter of will it's not about you just being strong enough to overcome it all on your own it's about a god who is here to help To help you step away. To help you leave some of those things that have been ingrained in you for so long. To help you just stop and to move forward. But then our last thing, of course, is about following him. Which, of course, it's not locational. It's not about us walking down Daniels following Jesus. It's about hanging out with him. Because the more that we're actually with him, the more we become like him. And that's really the goal of the rabbi for his disciples, which really hasn't changed at all 2,000 years later. Because the commandment in Matthew chapter 28 was that Jesus gave to his disciples. The last thing he said on planet Earth, he said, go and make more disciples. Teaching them all that I've taught you. And I'll be with you for this very reason. And so, guys, this is what I want you to go away with today. First of all, it's what area do we need forward movement in our life? Where are we stalled out? Where are we in reverse? Is it your marriage? Is it your relationships? Maybe you're looking at the person you're dating and you're like, I'm I'm not sure they're the best for me. I'm not sure my life has gotten better since I've been with them. Maybe it's time for forward movement. Movement in God's direction. Maybe it's your priorities. They've just... They've been out of whack. They've been misplaced. It's time for forward movement. Maybe it's in your health. You've never gotten serious about it. But you know that God cares just as much about that as he does any other part of your life. My question then is, what area do you hear God calling you to follow him in? Of course, I know there's so many of you that you've given your life to Jesus. 
you're, you're a Christian. You're, you're saved is what we call it. But it doesn't mean that you're perfect. And it doesn't mean that you've got everything in your life exactly where it needs to be. And so my question is, where in your heart of hearts, even this morning, do you hear the calling of God on your life? Because he's saying there's an area that's within you that's not following me. It's not like me. And I want to help you. And I'm even bold enough to think that whatever is at top of mind right now, it's pretty much the thing that God wants to deal with. And he wants to help you. And you can actually move forward. It doesn't have to hold you back anymore. And so my final question then is, what is, what's the next step that you take? In your mind, what's that next step? What's that leaving of the boat step? What's that dropping the nets step? What's that swimming to the shore step? And I believe that God is going to help. I really do. Because I think this whole God and us thing is so real. That he wants to help us. He wants to help improve us. He wants us to be better people. He wants us to be his disciples so that we simply can do what he does when he's not here. He wants us to be his representatives on this earth. He wants us to be healthy people with healthy relationships that are life-giving. So, Jesus has walked on our beach. He's crossed our path today. And he's called out to us as we sit in our boat. And he's saying, come follow me. So here's the question. Today, are we going to get out of the boat? Today, are we going to respond to the call? Just like he gave these disciples 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, it was a day that changed their life. And maybe, just maybe, today's the day that can change ours. You know, I, I know the biggest step that any of us could ever take is that first step in following Jesus. And if you're here today, and maybe you're struggling with that decision, not sure what it means for you, not sure how it translates down, you just know that things aren't right between you and God. You don't know if he even wants anything to do with you. But somehow you've made it in this place today, and maybe today's even your last-ditch effort. I don't know. I want you to know something this morning. And that I believe that Jesus has intersected his path with yours today, just like he did with the disciples. And he wants you to be with him. And here's the great thing. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't even matter what you did four hours ago. It doesn't matter because he loves you and he cares for you and he's got an answer. He just wants you to be with him. And so if you're here today and you're like, so what do I do now? Let me tell you. It's about an invitation. It's about an act of your will. A decision that you make. A moment. Where you say, God, all right. Will you lead my life? 
because I choose to follow you. And anyone who ever says that, I promise you, they are welcomed with open arms with God. He just wants you to be in relationship with him. And so if you're here today, you're like, so, all right, what now? Well, when I close in prayer in just a moment, I want you to pray even out of the voice of your heart and just say, God, will you lead my life? Will you lead my life? And he will. And your life can change in an instant today. Just like the disciples' lives changed in an instant that day. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done in this place today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the scriptures and the great stories. I thank you for for giving us lessons through these stories of how you want to change people's lives and create movement and you've called people and changed people. And you've helped them in their moment of decision. You've helped them to leave things behind. And you've helped them in becoming like you. And so God, that's what we ask for your help of right now. That you help us to do this very thing. Whether it's coming to you even for the first time through an act of saying, Lord, lead my life. Or maybe it's for the seasoned Christian in here that's never really faced some issues that are deep and personal. But in all these things, Lord God, I know that you want to bring about your best. You want to breathe life into them. Bring light into any area of darkness. For this we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you're here to help. And we thank you that you're doing a great work. Now, God, I pray blessing over us today. That you help us in our moments of decision to follow you. That we would grow in you that we would truly be your representatives. I thank you for this all, Lord. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.